The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome to everyone to Generation Regeneration. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining me, whether it be live or on demand. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to take ownership of their health and engage in a lifestyle that regenerates their body, mind, and spirit. And today, our guest is Dr. Robert E. Graham, a medical doctor at the forefront of helping patients regenerate and heal. Dr. Graham is passionate about incorporating his roots in integrative and traditional medicine into our modern healthcare system by emphasizing a greater respect for the healing properties of organic whole foods, healthy cooking, and meditation. He is currently the Director of Integrative Health and Therapies at the North Shore Long Island Jewish Health System. Assistant Professor of Medicine at Hofstra North Shore Long Island Jewish School of Medicine and the co-founder of Fair Wellness. He gave a very well-received talk at TEDx Manhattan in March 2015 entitled Fair Wellness, Back to Our Roots, that you can view online. It was an engaging talk about his great work and is what prompted me to reach out to him in the first place. And you can follow his work at Fair Wellness, that's F-A-R-E-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to the show, Dr. Graham. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you here today. Oh, Sandra, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to participate and share my thoughts today with you. It's my pleasure. And let's go ahead, get started by discussing your roots. What type of environment did you grow up in and how has that influenced your approach as a medical doctor? So I'd just like to first start off discussing the word root because I think that's the common theme of today's talk and uh, something that I believe Western medicine has overshadowed, been, has, has been overshadowed. Um, and what I like to say that the, the only way I feel that we can redefine our future, our own future, and our healthcare future is by going back to our roots and integrate some of the wisdom of our parents and grandparents into our current healthcare model. So that's what I mean by going back to our roots. I don't think we should abandon conventional medicine, but I think we should be um, more allowing and more accepting of our traditional systems um, that have been passed down through our ancestors and generations. So with that, I'd just like to talk a little bit about my roots. Um, I've been fortunate, I was very fortunate to grow in, grow up in a bicultural, multi-ethnic community of Jackson Heights, New York, where some say it's actually the most culturally diverse community in the entire country, and some say the world. So, you know, being raised in that type of community, in a bicultural home, uh, where my mom, my Hispanic mother, 
is and was known as the folk killer of our neighborhood. And my father is an American, conventionally trained biochemist. So in this home where I was exposed to in a very young age to both models of care from a complementary point of view as well as a conventional point of view, I, I, I believe gave me the footing in, in integrative medicine. And what I've noticed is that in the right setting and at the right time, both work very effectively. I totally agree with you. Yeah, and there are some criticisms with, which are lobbed at the American Medical Association, for example, that they don't really support the more integrative holistic approaches. Uh, they would rather set those aside. And I think what we're saying is there's a space for both because there are good things about them all. And the integrative approach that you suggest really does advocate supporting the mind, body, and the spirit to stay well. And we're actually going to get into each of those in the upcoming segments. But for now, let's talk about the nutrition part. And let's get into one of your major accomplishments, which is the building of a rooftop garden at Lenox Hill Hospital, which will supply fresh food for patients, which sounds just awesome. So can you talk to us about this project, how to get started, and what types of foods are being grown there? Yeah, so um, so what types of foods are growing there? Let me start off again by just giving you a little bit of background uh, of how this whole thing started. And just most recently in a magazine called Edible Manhattan, the story of uh, the rooftop farm that we developed at Lenox Hospital was featured as a, um, a new idea. So if anyone has the opportunity to go to Edible Manhattan and Google, um, it was titled Dr. Farmer, Robert Graham, gives a really nice story of, uh, of the, the roots of our farm. Um, so with that, um, I just want to st- step, step back for one second. Um, you know, the word integrative medicine um, I think it's actually evolving term, and just to just to show, share some highlights on where the field has gone and where it's going. You know, this past November was the first ever American Board of Physician Specialties test um, and board certification for integrative medicine. So I think that says a lot about where our nation is going, where our um, doctors want to go. Uh, for the fact that now we have one, we have ninety-seven board-certified physicians in integrative medicine, and I'm honored to be part of that, that list of uh, newbies in integrative medicine. So I think there's a shift that's occurring um, in the acceptance of complementary alternative medicine, but I think we always have to keep an eye on the evidence uh, because we just can't be doing things to our patients um, that, are not, that is not grounded in evidence and scientific merit. So that, with that, um, now I would love to talk about my roof. Okay, go ahead. Please do talk about <laughs> your rooftop garden and the Victory Greens that are grown there. Yeah, so um, so we call this. My wife and I um, call it our baby. Um, it's really, to our knowledge, the first edible um, educational rooftop garden in a hospital in New York City. Um, rooftop farms have a long tradition in healing and in European medicine. Um, and we're starting to see a shift that occurring, at least in New York City, in terms of edible rooftops. And why not develop one that um, is a sanctuary for our employees and our patients, as well as a working garden slash farm where we actually cut some of the harvest from our rooftop 
and bring it down to a cafeteria and start feeding our staff and patients. That's wonderful. So what types of things are grown there specifically? So, you know, someone who's very interested in the environment and um, is respectful of biodiversity, what we've decided to do is to incorporate mostly herbs for now onto our rooftop. So we grow just about every single herb you can imagine um, and different types of it as well. Um, not to, to be more inclusive of people's own dietary needs and dietary preferences. preferences. Um, we have five types of basil, from Thai basil um, to the, the classic Giuseppe pizza basil uh, we all love, as well as sage, thyme. We have five different types of thyme. We have, um, what else we have? We have chives. We, ha- we grow our own lettuce, mixed greens, uh, kale, our Swiss chard, which you highlighted in one of, one of your pictures. Yes, you're holding um, two big Swiss chard leaves. Those are great. Yeah, they're huge, too. And um, it's all organic up there, um, really putting an emphasis on healthy plant-based foods as, um, as, healing, as, as, as healing properties, the healing properties that plant-based foods have. And did you choose those types of foods in particular because they do support health and healing? Yeah, you know, and, uh, yes, that's one of the major reasons why. And we also wanted to start incorporating some of the herbs and the medicinal properties into our cafeteria. Um, you know, again, any, anything with fresh ingredients, particularly herbs, just makes everything taste better. And that's one of the reasons why we chose to start off with herbs. Number two, you know, this is a urban um, rooftop, and it gets really hot, humid New York City sun. And we were not sure of exactly what we'll grow. This, we're going into our second season now, and we're starting to expand uh, slowly, depending on what really grows excellently and which, you know, which ones have a tough time growing up on a rooftop. We have beautiful strawberries as well um, that our staff loves. And this year we actually started growing um, peppers and jalapeno peppers, which have been abundant this year. Wonderful. Now, can you also talk to us, we just have a couple minutes left in this segment, about how you're taking this even a step further but su- and supporting continuing education events at a culinary school for medical students. Can you talk to us about that for a moment? Yeah. Um, so this whole notion of health and healing and food, it's really nothing new. You know, the Hippocrates, the father of medicine in, 14, in, in 400 B.C., mentioned let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And I'm just feel that I am the new speaker, I'm one of the new um, soldiers in this fight of bringing back food into our um, healthcare. And I firmly believe as a, an assistant professor here of medicine that, you know, it's been too long that nutrition has been marginalized in our medical edu- educational curriculum. That is slowly changing. And so for the past five years, I have had the great fortune of collaborating with the National Gourmet Institute on Mondays to support the Meatless Monday campaign and bringing in practicing physicians at all levels of training. So that being said, I, my initiative called Fair Wellness started with a group of residents that we would take, 13 of them called Graham's Dozen, twice a year to a <laughs> culinary school um, to teach them the fundamentals of how to cook. Therefore, they can actually have a better sense of advising their patients about healthy eating and cooking. And it's always on Monday. It's always plant-based. And um, a couple of years ago, I actually became part of their advisory board to help formulate the culinary school 
into producing chefs that have more of a health-focused um, repertoire, despite the fact that um, many of our kitchens, you know, go for taste. But I firmly believe, and I think the NGI's mission is also that, that vegetarian food and plant-based foods can taste very good. And some, you can actually, some argue, taste better than any other type of food out there. That's wonderful. Rooftop gardens, culinary education for doctors. That's awesome stuff. So thank you for that introduction to your work in that area. And let's now get ready for a quick break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, physician extraordinaire who is at the forefront of integrative medicine and the co-founder of Fair Wellness. And we just talked about how important good nutrition is for health and healing and how Dr. Graham is bringing that understanding into conventional medical circles. And in the next segment, we're going to continue talking about food and get Dr. Graham's take on GMOs. Thank you so much for joining us and stay close. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called WholeTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, integrative physician, co-founder of Fair Wellness, and builder of Hospital Rooftop Gardens. 
And right before the break, we started talking about some culinary education events that Dr. Graham has spearheaded for medical students. And Dr. Graham, you wanted to expand on that a little bit, so go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, one thing I always want to put out there as well is that you can't blame physicians entirely here because, you know, simply we're not taught, you know, health and wellness and the power of whole foods on health and healing in, in medical school. You know, we're really focused on pathogenesis and disease, man- disease recognition and management. So just as I mentioned in my intro, um, you know, the same way we go to a specialist for uh, gastrointestinal health and or colonoscopies, um, I feel that there is a movement now in, in the fact that we have become, integrative medicine has become a board certif- certified specialty, and though we are specialists in looking at the mind, body, and spirit. Um, so that's one thing I want to mention. The other thing that's really exciting is that this past fall, we offered as part of Hofstra continuing, continuing medical education for physicians to get education credit by attending one of our workshops at a culinary school. So what we, what we do is talk a little bit about the, the, the burden of disease, our chronic diseases, which are lifestyle-prevented, and how we can actually shift the curve of obesity and these chronic diseases by going back to our roots and focusing on food. And then what we do is take doctors, throw them into the kitchen with trained chefs to learn how to cook. And so, you know, as I mentioned, we take medical students, doctors in training called residents and interns, and now we're actually completing the circle of inviting practicing physicians into our kitchen to learn how to cook and advise patients. We've taken that one step further, and now last year uh, we invited some of the hospital chefs to join us as physicians to help us kind of change the stigma of hospital food. Yeah. So that's something I really, really wanted to just um, reiterate. Thank you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, I totally agree with you that uh, there are a lot of good people practicing conventional Western medicine, caring, committed people, but they're just not given the tools and the knowledge to address other parts of ourselves, the body, mind, and spirit. So it's really wonderful that the medical community itself is moving in that direction and trying to expand its areas of expertise. So that's just great to see. So now let's move on to something else involving food, and that is genetically modified organisms. And the reason I like to talk about this is because they are very prevalent in the United States, but they are not labeled by law. So a lot of folks may not be aware of what's going on here. And what is going on is that over 80% of the corn and soy growing in the United States is genetically modified. So unless you're very careful, you probably are eating GMOs, especially if you're eating processed foods, uh, the stuff in the boxes that have high fructose corn syrup and so forth. And my concern, which I've shared on the show, is that we're not following what's called the precautionary principle here, which is to say that you don't do something unless it's been demonstrated to be safe first. And although there's some industry-generated science, and I kind of put it in quotes, uh, that this stuff is safe, there really haven't been long-term detailed supplies done. These things were really rushed into the food supply in the 90s and weren't shown to be safe in robust long-term studies beforehand. So I did a whole show on this uh, on January 6th 
of this year. It was kind of a John Oliver-like long rant, if you will, <laughs> about GMOs. So if you're interested in that, please check it out on demand. So I'd also like to get your perspective on this, Dr. Graham. What do you say about GMOs from a medical perspective? Uh, what are your, what's your opinion and what's your concerns? Um, I knew this was going to come up. Such a hot <laughs> topic in the lay literature as well as the medical literature. Um, I just, again, I'd like to step back one second and just say that as humans, um, we haven't adapted the ability for, for us to process processed foods. And simply that, I think that is what has led us into a lot of problems. Agreed. We're not processing, you know, we're not able to process processed foods. That's why I go back to eating real, fresh, whole foods. That's what we've actually been able through adaptation to digest. So um, processed foods, we can't process. So that being stated, um, you're right. I, I, I agree with most of your statements. Um, you know, more than 60 countries require GMOs to be labeled uh, for many reasons. Um, here in the U.S., I don't know if people know, but 90% of our corn, soybean, grapeseed, which really comes, you know, which, which makes our canola oil, sugar beets are, are GMOs. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel I'm in favor of the fact that consumers have the right to know when our foods are processed or modified. But the big question, you know, and I think both sides of the aisle have points here, um, are they safe? Right? That's really, as a physician, that's one of the, the, the guiding principles of how we practice medicine. Are we doing harm? Is it safe? Is it tolerable? Is it, is it not tolerable? And I think, you know, one of, one of, the science, and, and I appreciate your giggle in it because it's, it's, it's science, but, you know, there's levels of evidence and there's levels of science. And, you know, the makers of GMOs tell us that GMOs meet safety requirements, and, but you're exactly right. The truth is that long-term studies on the impact on both the human body and the environment haven't been done. So I am in complete agreement with the precautionary principle, as you stated eloquently, and I think one thing we have to start asking ourselves is that what is the effect of the GMOs on our body and the environment? And I think slowly uh, we're starting to see some of the negative science that has come up through epidemiological and um, observational studies on the fact that some of these GMOs have been associated with certain health risks. Um, the fascinating field that I'm really interested in learning more about is its impact on um, gut health and obesity. Yeah. You know, I find that a completely fascinating field that we're slowly starting to understand. Um, also, the fact that GMOs require the use of pesticides and herbicides. And I think we're starting to see some of the, the literature out there and in the popular press and the medical literature on its effect on the human condition. Uh, particularly, as you probably all know, this most recent story about, you know, uh, glyco uh, glycos uh, glyphosate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And in, in Roundup, and how that has detrimental effects on our our gut, and possibility of inducing obesogens and obesity epidemic that we're starting to face, and an increase in all of our allergies and autoimmune processes. So I think the science. Uh, Definitely, the science needs to catch up on uh, catch up here. Uh, but I fall in agreement with you, Sandra, that the precautionary principle ought to be, and we should ought to be followed, and we should be 
one countries that require at least labeling of GMOs. Correct. Yes, correct. And your point about glyphosate and Roundup uh, is a good one. And the thing with these GMOs is that they are engineered to tolerate those herbicides. And so the thing which is concerning is that they are dosed with even more of these herbicides like Roundup, which is otherwise known as glyphosate, than non-GMOs. And so the residues on these foods are even higher. And And there have been things that I've seen on Facebook and so forth where interviews will be done with uh, representatives from Monsanto, for example, who will say glyphosate is perfectly safe. It's just like water. You can drink it. And then someone will produce a glass of glyphosate and say, well, here, would you like to drink it? <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't go well at that point. Well, well, no, no, thanks. I really don't want to. So, yes, you really do have to question um, the, the safety of that, of, of eating these residues. So thank you for your opinion on that. Um, really appreciate it. Now, let's continue talking about food a little bit more and talk about a conference that you went to in Phoenix in May of this year called the Nutrition and Wellness Conference. So can you tell us what that was like? That's I understand it's a huge conference. Uh, I, I have already committed. I'm going there next year. I have to be part of this. Uh, what was it like and what did you learn there and what types of people showed up? Um, yeah, so this has been this has been an ongoing conference spearheaded by um, Andrew Weil. Uh, some consider, and I do consider him, uh, being credited for being the father of integrative medicine here in the U.S. And you know, um, one of one of the guiding principles of the conference is exactly what we've been talking about of how um, important uh, food, cooking, nutrition, and understanding where our food is coming from and its impact on human health. I think that's really the kind of theme of the talk, and um, it's been around for 12 years, um, and I've been fortunate enough to attend multiple meetings. Um, this year, I was actually fortunate enough to hold a workshop with um, leaders at Stanford and at University of Arizona highlighting the initiatives that our hospitals and our community health centers are making in terms of trying to change the food system locally. Um, I represented the urban movement, um, Stanford represented the suburban movement, and the University of Arizona at Tucson represented the rural movement. So what was really nice to see is that, you know, the, the, regardless of what type of setting we are seeing our patients in, we are all trying to at least bring attention to this movement, uh, which unfortunately is still, um, I would say, m- maybe about a teenager at this point. Um, <laughs> Adolescent, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's starting to, to take shape, and yes. simply by the attendance, the attend, you know, you have the the, the the best speakers in 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 the country talking about the impact of food and nutrition on our on our health. Uh, we had endocrinologists, cardiologists, gastroenterologists, um, and we also had healthcare professionals that are not physicians, which are we're starting to um, really see are becoming a major part of our healthcare delivery system as we move forward. That's awesome to see. It's really great to see all these different medical professionals and other professionals getting involved in this movement. And like you say, yeah, it may be in the adolescent phase right now, but it does seem to be growing. There is a hunger for this, it seems. Uh, So it's great to see. 
that this is going on. So thank you for that. And that brings us to our next short break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, who is at the forefront of integrative medicine and the co-founder of Fair Wellness. And we just talked about the integrative medicine and food movements, which we encourage you to join by simply making more informed and conscious choices about your food and healthcare. Hop on board. And in the next segment, we're going to go ahead and delve into the spiritual aspects of healing that we started talking about in the first segment. See you on the other side for some more good stuff with our special guest. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called holdtreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at WCubedCommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, integrative physician, co-founder of Fair Wellness, 
and builder of hospital rooftop gardens, which is simply awesome. Dr. Graham, you're not only a proponent of good nutrition on health and healing, but also of emotional and spiritual support, as we alluded to earlier in the show. Meditation, in particular, is gaining popularity as a way to relax the mind and body. So can you tell us from a medical perspective why this is helpful, and what's the science behind the benefits of meditation and even prayer? Yeah, great. So, yeah, of course, this, you know, fitness, exercise, food, diet, um, nutrition, and I think this is the trifecta here, right? The emotional, spiritual spiritual support where um, the core of healing, I think, really begins. Um, You know, again, going back to our roots, right? The exact date of meditation's origins is really unknown. Um, But scientists and archaeologists and um, others have believed that it probably originated anywhere between 5,000 to 3,500 B.C. And it, and, and really don't know exactly where it started, but the two leading proponents of, of, of its origins, it's either we can see it in traditional medical healing systems of Asia, particularly yeah. India and China. That's right. Which in itself is really part, this whole part of meditation is really part of their traditional medical healing systems. So, you know, as I mentioned before, the, the exercise movement and the food, um, but really grounding the theory of, of traditional Chinese medicine and, and Ayurveda, uh, which is the in, traditional Indian um, therapies system, um, really puts meditation and this whole connection between the mind and body at its forefront. Yes. And so why is calming the mind helpful? What does that do for you that's beneficial? So... So your first question, you said, where's the science, right? So, again, as I mentioned before about uh, GMOs and just about everything we've studied in integrative medicine, um, the precautionary principle, I think, ought ought to be discussed again. Um, The science, the art of meditation and the practice of meditation has been done, you know, has been on this planet Earth for at least 5,000 years or more, right? Um, But the science really started evolving you know, once we were able to see into the meditating mind. And I think this is a perfect balance of where the practice of meditation is, you know, we get this is associated with a sense of peacefulness and physical relaxation. But the science has been catching up to, with the subjective findings of really two people, in my opinion, have really shaped the science of it. Um, in 2005, 2007, Richie Davison from the University of Wisconsin, really showed us what happens to the meditating mind, uh, where the left prefrontal cortex, where happiness and enthusiasm, enthusiasm lie, really lit up like a candle in meditators. And then most recently, uh, for the past, say, seven years, um, Harvard and Sarah Lazar and her, and her group um, really started looking at structural changes that occur with the cerebral cortex thickening, neuroplasticity coming into play um, in the areas of, like, for example, the cerebral cortex and the hippocampus, which are areas that are associated with self-awareness, self-compassion, and interpretation, as well as the amygdala, uh, which is a really important part of our brain where its role in stress and anxiety is most important. So I think this is a perfect balance of where the art and science really are blended in to move the field of meditation and mind-body medicine forward. That's right. 
And also another benefit of anything that relaxes your mind and body is that you move yourself out of the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the state that you want to be in for rejuvenation and regeneration, uh, assimilation of the nutrients that you eat and so forth. Because so many of us in our hectic life wind up in fight or flight mode. And that's exactly. where my understanding is your body essentially freezes. It's ready to fight or run, and that's what's most important. So can you elaborate on that for a moment, how important it is to move yourself out of that mode? Yeah, so it's important, to, you know, to have that fight or flight. You know, I live here in Manhattan, and, you know, when we see a car coming down the street, we want that fight or flight a sympathetic nervous system to kick in, to get us out of the way, uh, to avoid that oncoming traffic. But the problem we have in our society is that we don't turn that fight-or-flight response off. And we're in this chronic state of fight-or-flight and over-sympathetic nervous system overdrive. And that's where the problems of anxiety, worry, stress, and I would consider depression come into play, uh, which is highly correlated with all the chronic diseases I mentioned before. Now, we are given this beautiful gift called the parasympathetic nervous system where really no drug has been formulated enough to mimic it. And we all have it within us. It's called a relaxation response, which is coined by Dr. Herbert Benson um, at Harvard Medical School, which I had the great fortune of studying under. And understanding the fact that we have this sense of, if you want to call the sympathetic nervous system the fight-or-flight response, we also have the rest and digest, the equal and opposite reaction that is tapped in by practicing meditation and other forms of movement meditation, which one of our favorites here um, at the Graham Hall household is yoga. You know, yoga is considered uh, India's greatest gift to the West. And in fact, um, its origins, as I mentioned before, started as a principle for allowing the body to move in all these directions that yoga allows us to practice so that we can actually sit down peacefully and restfully to enter the state of meditation. Um, And so, you know, we have this fight-or-flight system, and we also have this rest-and-digest system. The thing about the rest-and-digest system, our parasympathetic nervous system, is that we control it, mostly by focusing our intention, our concentration, on our breath or a mantra. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with you about yoga. That's how the different types and different forms of meditation you know, really came about. Um, in the U.S., there's really three major types of meditation that we are commonly, we commonly refer to. One is typically known as transcendental meditation, um, Zen meditation, a la Buddhism, and then um, John Kabat-Zinn's landmark studies in mindfulness best stress, stress re- mindfulness-based stress reduction. Yes. Um, and those are the three major ones in our society, but there's over 20 of them. That, are, that coexist on, on, in medicine. That's right, yes. Yes, meditation and, and yoga are just wonderful things for bringing the mind, body, and spirit into a state of relaxation and balance and a way of keeping your body um, freer of dis-ease than it might normally be if you were completely stressed out all the time in the chronic state of fight or flight. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch upon was another powerful mentor, mental exercise, which is referred to as positive psychology. 
Can you elaborate on that for a moment and how you may use it as a physician? Yeah, so that's another, you know, I'd like to also talk about this, you know, um, my wife Julie and I have been thinking about how we would work together, and through different paths, we've actually found a way to, uh, you know, co-found this thing called Fair Wellness, where we actually bring in a lot of the techniques that she really has become a master practitioner in, um, and we like to call it, you know, I bring the science and she brings the art of it all together. And positive psychology is something that she just recently completed. And I had the great fortune of studying back in 2007 um, in an introductory course at Harvard, um, positive psychology. Um, for those who don't know, I'd just like to talk a little bit about it. it. It was founded by Martin Siegelman back in 2000. And it's really the study of human flourishing, the study of positive emotions and characters, you know, positive character traits and positive intuitions and institutions that allow us to flourish. You know, most of traditional psych- psychology and psychotherapy and psychiatry focuses on repairing um, a state of unhappiness. And it's associated with many negative connotations, depression, anxiety, worry, um, post-traumatic stress. Um, but really, I think this field, uh, it's a new field, positive psychology, really focuses on things that allow us and a mindset that allows us to flourish in a state of possibly, as you mentioned, disease. Yes, that's, this is all really powerful stuff for maintaining health and also um, moving through an illness should it occur uh, because it does put your body in a state where it's more likely to heal itself. And uh, the mental component for that, the, the more I look into this, is just huge. And so it's wonderful to see that physicians like yourself are getting an understanding in this area too and helping patients along this path. So thank you for that description as well. And let's get ready for our final break now. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, a physician who is at the forefront of integrative medicine and the co-founder of Fair Wellness. We just talked about the spiritual and emotional aspects of health and healing, which are very important pieces of the puzzle. And we'll wrap up here on the flip side with some comments about Dr. Graham's goals and his vision for real health care. Thanks again and see you in a few. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. 
Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we're talking to Dr. Robert E. Graham, integrative physician, co-founder of Fairwellness, and builder of wonderful things like hospital rooftop gardens. And on the other side of this break, just prior to it, we started talking about the field of positive psychology. And Dr. Graham was giving us an introduction to that. And the one thing that we didn't get to touch upon was how he uses it to help his patients. So, Dr. Graham, would you like to address that point now? Yeah, you know, one of the, it's it's really an an important tool. and I consider integrative medicine just, you know, an integrative medicine physician just has more tools in his toolbox. And positive psychology is one of these tools. And I believe that positive psychology offers the opportunity for patients to focus on the gifts of life at certain times of their life. As I was mentioning to Sandra earlier is that, you know, the rates of heart disease and people dying from cardiovascular disease like heart attack are dropping but we're starting to see people living longer, thus far, we're starting to see more cancer. As well as the fact, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the chronic diseases lead us to living an unhealthy life and the things that we put in our body manifest, manifest itself. Yes. And what I think positive psychology does for me um, in my clinical practice is allows me to reorient our, my patients in focusing on the gift of life. And what I mean by that is focus more on the positive emotions and tap into their natural talents and strengths. It's about surrounding yourself with positive healing relationships and people and maintaining the sense of meaning and purpose in one's life. You know, one thing that I always tell patients, regardless of their disease, and in this this, uh, discussion here, we're talking about cancer. Physicians are horrible terrible at predicting time. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions we always get as physicians is how much time do I have? And for me, you know, I don't give a, a, a specific time because we're terrible and there's been many studies saying that we are um, completely off in understanding timing of, of, of a cancer's prognosis. And so therefore, I believe that we should be focusing on more about what makes us unique, what makes us more positive, surrounding ourselves by positive people, and really understanding why we have the disease process and what is our goals and what are our purposes for our time remaining. Those are great points. And I've had guests on the show previously, like shamans, for example, and we've touched upon the subject of chronic diseases like cancer. And their viewpoint is that a disease like that can also be rooted in 
some toxic emotions, uh, long-held angers or resentments or lack of forgiveness. So does the field of positive psychology, does that help people address those things too so they can move through them into the more positive viewpoint? I think you can tap into that. I, I, I think, again, it's just a tool. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe we're all, we're all put on this earth for a purpose and a meaning to our life. And we just had, the sooner that we find that answer um, in a helpful state, the more we're able to do with that. Uh, but I think at any time of our lives, giving that opportunity to tap within and find our true meaning and our true purpose really is one of the greatest gifts that we do have. And unfortunately, many people wait for a, um, a chronic disease like cancer or their first heart attack to start thinking about these positive reinforcing thoughts and behaviors and relationships. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's move on to a slightly different subject now and just talk about healthcare in general in the United States. And if you look at how it's ranked amongst many industrialized countries, we tend to be on the lower end. And so what's your vision for improving that in the U.S.? I know we've covered a lot of things that you're doing to help move the medical community toward a better understanding of integrative health and food. Um, But what do you think is really going to make the difference and will allow us to improve overall? Do we have another hour? (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's a big question, right? (laughs) Um, You know, a couple years ago... um, a CEO of a hospital, I think it was Oregon University Hospital System, basically laid it out, and, I, and I, I, it's often, I often use this quote. There's only two things wrong with our modern medical healthcare system, our U.S. healthcare system, how it's, finan- how it's financed and how it's delivered. And once we fix those two simple things, we got, yeah. we're going to get it right, right? But right. sadly, simple we're things. still fighting this battle. Um, I think we should break down the word, go back to the root, right, in terms yes. of health and care. And as, as you stated earlier, in, one of, in my recent TED Talk, and I always mention this, um, that we just have to bring back more health and care into our current healthcare system because we're really good at, you know, sick care. Yes. And what we have to start shifting our focus on is providing acute sick care in a chronic disease model which we're currently facing, right? 80% of our disease burdens are related to, to our chronic diseases, which in fact, 80% of those are preventable by adopting healthy lifestyles, right? So to me, that's the only way we're going to get out of this mess, by shifting the curve to the left and really developing a health promotion, a health prevention system that is both, that is both being, being supported both financially and through different care uh, delivery, deliveries of care models. And, but because the way we're currently doing it, it's not going to work. You know, uh, changing who's paying for this is important, but really changing the model of care is really what is, I think, at the pinnacle of healthcare reform and movement. Um, equally important is that amongst of our patients with chronic diseases, we have to have a better strategy in managing chronic diseases, you know, trying to get people to eat healthier, to move, to be more spiritual and take an active role in their life. You know, I've been a doc for 10 years, um, and I came into this game called medicine simply wanting to improve people's health and well-being, you know, and not to be giving more, you know, pills and 
surgeries and more referrals to another physician. I think, you know, today in our society, we still have doctors that really want to help people. And I think understanding the fact that we have certain constraints from um, outside agencies that allow, make that simple goal almost impossible to do in a, in a very limited amount of time without our resources is one of the biggest um, epidemics and problems that we have in our society today. Yes. yes I, I agree with everything you said there. And to me, I think a very powerful thing is for the grassroots, for the population to decide that they want to be empowered and they want to own their health, like you said, better food, exercise, spiritual connection. Because it seems like if that is what's demanded, that is what will be delivered to us. Um, we see a lot of things happening in the food movement right now with a lot of food providers stepping up and improving the quality of their food because that's what the marketplace is demanding. Um, if we look at what like Chipotle is doing and Panera Bread and some of the larger um, companies, even like Kraft and so forth, they're making incremental changes. But, you know, we're seeing this movement. And so, you know, going from both sides, if it's if it's what people demand and then the medical community like you're part of uh, starts reacting to that and looking into ways, okay, how can we provide this different type of care? So it's really positive, actually, to see a lot of this happening. Uh, a lot of people waking up to how much power they really do have to control their own destiny, and also the medical community itself also moving in a direction of being more holistic. So I definitely like to thank you for being part of that. It's wonderful wow. to see physicians like yourself uh, leading the way to provide more integrative care and ultimately uh, keep people healthier and not just react to disease. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I believe that we can change the way we, we live, you know, by demanding more from, as you mentioned, our food, uh, you know, our food systems, our healthcare systems, you know, our financial systems. I think, you know, um, as I stated in my TED talk, you know, I think we're all sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. You know, and I think, you know, our roots, our roots really, you know, are weak and without strong roots, we can't flourish. And I think, you know, what I do in the clinic, the classroom, the kitchen, the garden is really an homage to my past, my roots, you know, of what, how I became a doctor and what inspired me to, you know, start this, this for what seems like forever goal of being a physician um, and really is simply helping people, you know. And, and once we start realizing that that's what we're all here for, to help each other, um, the sooner we're going to get to you know, optimal wellness. That's wonderfully put. Yes, I like getting back to our roots. That's a wonderful way to put it. So thank you so much, Dr. Graham. That's all the time we have for today. But you provided us so much information, uh, very helpful stuff about how to improve our health with nutrition, uh, physical activity, emotional, spiritual support. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you today, and I wish you the best with your Victory Garden. Thank you so much. And if anyone's ever in New York, you know, uh, you know, please follow us on the web and social media at Fair Wellness. Um, and if anyone wants to come in, you know, private message me on Fair Wellness. Um, whenever you're in New York, you're more than welcome to take a, a garden tour and maybe some herb, herbs home with you as well. 
thank you for that. Yes. Uh, if I'm ever in New York, I am going to be there. You can count on it. <laughs> so that's at Fair Wellness, F-A-R-E-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. So thank exactly. you again. Thank you. Thank you. And next and I week. I Fair Wellness. <laughs> thank you. That's great. And next week, our guest will be teaching chef Monica Corrado, who will continue the discussion about how to use food to support our health. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this great discussion with Dr. Graham. See you next week. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit.